Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Living Astrology with Janet Hickox. Grab your cup of coffee or your tea. As Erica said, she has her tea and she's ready to listen. Uh, sit back and let's chat about what is happening up in the stars above us today. But we're actually going to be taking a look at the whole month of August. As you can see, I have my friend Tam Veyu with me to, to, from the uh, Energy Almanac. And Tam, welcome to Living Astrology. I am happy to be here again with you, Janet. And here we oh. are with the Energy Almanac. Yes, the Energy Almanac. Now, I want you to share with everybody an update, if you will, because, uh, you know, we've already completed all of 2023. And tell us about where it is right oh, now. Boy. As you well know, Janet, <laughs> this is crunch week. So the graphic designer has mapped out and laid out every one of the 52 predictions for 2023. Myself and my proofreader and Janet have all <laughs> laid eyes on the book and are kind of tweaking things now. After this, the graphic designer gets it one more time. And by the time we do this again, Janet, September 1st, it will be at the printer. Woo! Yeah. I I feel like this is the, it's not the first year that it's been this organized, but I feel like because this is year five, right, of the Energy Almanac, yeah. that it's getting into sort of like a, a groove and uh, it's becoming an easier kind of uh, of process. I agree with you. It's finally got its rhythm, if you will. I know, yes. I know exactly when, which month, what. And which months I can rest and which months are going to be hard. When is my season, so to speak? So, yeah, we're we're so excited. It's a beautiful thing. There's the cover of the book right there for next year. Um, it's yeah. a tree theme. And I love this theme. I, I noticed, was it the a day before yesterday when you sent the, uh, the proof, whatever, the edit, unedited or the editing version, <laughs> that all of the months had a tree in it. And the graphic. And I love that. I love that there was a theme that you caught on to and that you take it through the whole of the the book for the yeah. year. Thank <laughs> you. Exciting. Yeah, it, it is exciting. And so that actually comes out in November. Is that right? Or end of October? Correct. It'll be available November 1st on the internet, on my website and everything. It'll be in stores probably slightly before that. Awesome. So everybody get ready. I mean, it is August already. Can you believe it? I know. No, I can't believe it. I, I am. So, I'm shocked. I said to my husband, pretty soon we got to start thinking about Christmas. <laughs> Do you know they've opened up Halloween stores here already? I know. And I saw Thanksgiving decorations at the local big lots. I was kind of depressed. Like this, this is just rushing things at this point. It is like, come on, let us finish having fun in the sun in the summer. Right. Or if you guys are listening from the Australian area or down below the equator, let us let them enjoy their winter. And you know that, I mean, if you're a winter person, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, it just seems so bizarre that we, you know, at, it was at the end of July, my daughter said, hey, did you know that the Halloween spirit store it opens up in August? I went, no. It's sad. Craziness. It is crazy, but that's all right. So we are here today to talk about what's coming up for the month of August astrologically. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, when you've got me involved, it's going to end up in human design as well. Mm. So Tam, I'm going to turn it over to you first off. And I want to hear from you. What are those, what are the key things uh, that you're looking out for in this coming month. Absolutely. And I feel a little bit sorry for those who come on the show every month because I sound a little bit like a broken record, but my eyes completely and totally are on the retrogrades. Um, I'm already paying attention to that poll to go in and to, to look back and to assimilate information. So by August 24th, we have six planets retrograde. We have all of the outer planets and Mercury retrograde. And so there's that natural slowing down and the pull to go in. I know I myself personally am feeling like I just want silence. I just want silence. I want to, I want to have a chance to think and absorb and reflect on the changes that have been going on around the world, around my personal world, lots of changes at home. 
and as well as what's going on globally. So to me, the retrogrades are the big topic of August. I hadn't really thought about that. I do, I do know, of course, that Uranus is going to move retrograde in August. But the, you know, the outer planets spend so much time in retrograde anyway throughout the year that it, it never really, and, and I have a lot of those planets retrograde in my own personal chart. Mm-hmm. So I don't really notice so much that they're changing signs or that they're, well, I notice when they change signs, but I mean that they're changing direction. Mm-hmm. But it is interesting to note that if you're following along with that, that you can naturally flow with that energy and move inward. Right. Right. Or, you know, take the the processes and the things that that particular planet rules and the placement of it in your own natal chart mm-hmm. and use it as fuel to shift something on the inner plane so that when they turn back to forward motion, you can then demonstrate that change in the outer world. Exactly, exactly, exactly. No, I hadn't even really thought about the fact that like, if you're born with all those planets retrograde, you might not notice it as much. That is a very, very good point that I'm going to have to add to my (laughs) astrology bank. I always say like, I keep a bank in here, um, making a little deposit. So (laughs) thank you for that. The the tidbits that come along. Yes, yes, yes. Um, But I, to me, it's important that we acknowledge the, and, and assimilate information, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. We need to assimilate information if we are to affect change for the better in this world. So that's that's my big one. The other couple of things that I'm looking at is... Wait, can, uh, I, pa- can I pause you there for just yeah. one second? Yeah. Assimilate is such an interesting word because not long into the month, in fact, already Mars has done this and Uranus will do this on August 14th, moving energy into the gate of assimilation. Oh, no way. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, perfect. Where it's not only just assimilation, but integration and simplification, right? Simplifying everything down, grinding it into its most, you know, less fluff and more importantness. Yeah. So that's just just so fascinating that you brought that word up. And I'm sorry, carry on. What were the next things that you wanted to talk about? The other two things that my eyes are on are just the the changing of um, Mars and Venus. Venus Mm. moving into Leo on the 12th. And I don't remember the date. It's later in the month that Mars will move into Gemini. And um, so I'm looking at those. Of course, the personal planets we feel a little bit more closely or will notice a little bit more closely. Um, I particularly am interested in Mars and Gemini because of that change, that rapid thinking and that change in the thinking patterns and, and maybe becoming a little more social or talkative (laughs) and, uh, that thirst for, I actually wrote down thirst for thinking, right? Um, it's like just passion and desire and, and maybe having to be mindful about not being aggressive in our, in our, the way we talk too, right? Yeah. Overly assertive or pushy in the words. Yeah. Yeah. But it's more interesting because Mars will spend an inordinate amount of time in Gemini at this point because of his retrograde station in October in Gemini. Mm -hmm. He's literally going to be there from August 20th until I want to say January 12th of 2023. So we have a long time to consider what Mars and Gemini brings Mm. and Mars and Gemini definitely brings the wordsmith to action. Yes. So a lot of speaking, a lot of um, interacting, a lot of socializing, a lot of travel perhaps, which is interesting because Gemini also rules travel. That's something I hadn't even considered. You're right. There'll be a lot. And for me, that's already, I can see exactly how that's going to play out. <laughs> yeah, and you know Mars Mars in retrograde is often going to bring up the things that we're missing in the sign and what we typically miss with Mars in Gemini is or in Gemini in general is the listening. Yes. Right, the listening. Are we listening? Are we really hearing what people are saying? And then are we saying what people want to hear? Mm. So something important for us to think about, but maybe not quite yet. Oh, also, the fact that Mars will be moving through Gemini tells us also that in human design, 
all of the gates on the throat center are going to come into play or almost all of them oh, are going to yep. come into play. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because the throat, uh, Gemini energies are, are all throat, uh, center energies and the throat center is mediating both communication, manifestation, and our own personal metabolism. Mm. So how much are we taking in? And are we able to use what we're taking in? Because remember the other two planets, Uranus and well, Mars won't be there anymore, but Uranus will be in assimilation mode. Are we assimilating oh. what we're taking in? This is okay. Can I ask a question? Oh, sure. I think everybody can learn from. Um, I have someone, someone close to me who is struggling with a health issue. Mm. And um, you talked about metabolism. And I, I feel that there is um, a throat blockage of some sort. And I never related it to metabolism. How does human design relate to health? It's interesting because all of the centers in human design are mediating some form of energy. So for example, if someone's telling me that they have anxiety or that they're depressed or they feel depressed, um, it's funny, I'm not going to look at the emotional center first, you know, for that. I'm going to go to, well, what are you doing with your head? <laughs> what, what is your focus in your mind? Mm -hmm. And surprisingly, where is your heart? right? Oh, the heart sure. center, yeah. because the heart center in human design is a center that manages and allocates resources, money, time, energy, people. Mm -hmm. And if you're pushing, 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 trying to make things happen, right, then it's going to take a hit on your heart, literal heart, yes. but also anxiousness, which can raise your blood pressures and, sure. and all of that. But then also is going to impact the throat in some ways, because often what's happening is that all of the centers are pushing energy up to or down to the throat center. Yes, yes. If, if you're doing it correctly, then your metabolism is working well, your health is working well. And if you're doing it incorrectly, meaning not according to your type, your strategy or your authority, then it can get all yep. stuck here, right? So yeah. your thyroid and your ability to speak, right. your larynx. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that, yeah. that just connected a lot of dots that I will talk to you about off offline. Yeah. And I want you guys to think about this too. The solar plexus is also has a clear line up to the throat. Mm -hmm. So if you're having emotional issues down here, it can relate to weight, it can relate to diabetes, it can relate to other problems in being able to metabolize your emotions. And what makes it to the throat or doesn't make it to the throat, so to speak, yeah. can have a lot of impact on that part of the body. So it's all mm, interconnected. Oh, that's, that's fascinating. Really, yeah. I actually got all the way over there, but that, that was <laughs> Mars. Mars being in the Gemini yes. in the throat center for a very long time. Yep. And uh, in fact, I was just thinking this morning, Tam, uh, that the next course I want to teach, like, probably starting next month is going to be on the throat center in human Ooh. design, how to use all that Mars energy appropriately. Wow. Because there's one thing we know about Mars and he sometimes acts first, thinks later. Right. Exactly. Right? There's yes. that impulsiveness, that impetuousness, that uh, aggression even that can, you know, kind of debilitate us over time. If we're especially, especially if we're, you know, speaking first, then thinking later, like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Right. Um, yeah. So be looking for that, everybody. We'll be talking about that as time goes on this month. Beautiful. Yeah. So what else? Uh, well, the other one that I mentioned was Venus moving into Leo. I always think of her as the drama queen in Leo. Sure. Right? Yeah. Draped yeah. in her finery and on the stage of life and high drama. <laughs> <laughs> high drama, high drama, but also extremely loving, romantic, mm -hmm. um, in love with love kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. You know, in, in the astrology chart itself, the natural wheel of the chart, Leo rules the fifth house. Mm -hmm. Yes. Right. So Leo energy is always kind of associated with love and romance anyway. 
mm-hmm. and the being in love with love and being joyful in love. Mm-hmm. And of course, then that means sometimes too, in the more derogatory or negative side of things that Venus plowing through Leo might bring up where there's an absence of that in your mm-hmm. life, an absence of love and romance. Sure. And uh, we'll have to see how, you know, people move through that. Mm-hmm. It all is going to depend, of course, where it is in your own natal chart. But the, 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 I think the aspect that we undersell in Venus in Leo is the creative aspect, the self-expressive. That's that's where I wanted to go. And I kind of wanted to chat about that. So when I think about Leo, I more quickly move toward the, the drama first, but then, (laughs) (laughs) then the play and the creativity and the childlike nature of, of the Leo. So add Venus to that. And isn't it sort of going to amplify that? Right. It could be playful in our relationships, playful right. in love, playful, romantically playful. So uh, there's that. But also, you know, the the sun is still in Leo as well, mm-hmm. right, at this time. And I think that amps up our pleasure in being in the outdoors, our pleasure in vacation and relaxation or playing games or just having that fun period of time. So, yeah, have fun. I'm I'm thinking like end of August, long walks on the beach. Oh, yes. Picnics with somebody special. Like, oh, that's so Venus in Leo, right? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Venus and Leo, but also that creative surging energy that we can sometimes get, or that real need to be expressive, to 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 call up our own personal expression, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, it's a time to do that. Absolutely, and you know, Mars and Venus together in their relationship are going to bring more creativity to the surface anyway. (laughs) Mars and Gemini may be creativity with words, but Venus and Leo, artistic creativity. Mm. I can't even sleep as it is. What am I going to do now? Oh my word. Draw, draw. Oh my my God. That's crazy. I can't take it anymore. I can't take it anymore. But (laughs) you and I should both be doing pretty good right now because Mercury today, in fact, it's not until late tonight, actually, 11.58 PM my time. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's going to be tomorrow morning, early your time. Right. um, That Mercury moves into Virgo. Yes. I'm a little nervous. (laughs) I'm a little nervous with all that mental energy. But um, yes, I've already been talking to some people about that, right? The overthinking potential is there, the analysis paralysis is there, but there's also that clarity that can come in your thinking processes with Mercury in Virgo. That's, you know, that's a good point. I, I need to like make a note about that. Like let the clarity happen. It doesn't, it doesn't always be about the, the criticism and the overthinking. It also can be about the, the clarity. Um, I love the time. I love this Mercury in Virgo for the season of bringing things to order for the season Uh, of knowing how to organize differently. It's a great time to redo your environment, your mental environment, as well as your physical environment and bring order into things. I, I like that part. Yeah. Now, um, Mercury in Virgo can, you know, sort of trigger that nervous thinking, right? So for some people, you're going to have to be very super aware, uh, because I have a lot of people out there that are thinkers, right, that have that defined Ajna. And with the defined Ajna, meaning the second center down, if you're looking at your own human design chart, it would be green if it's defined, that you get locked into a certain way of thinking. And this Mercury moving into Virgo can amp that up. But it's always your choice to think the thoughts. You're the one thinking, yes. right? It's not, th- thoughts aren't thinking you, you're thinking thoughts. Yes. So allow yourself to stop depending so much on the the thinking processes because Mercury and v- Virgo can also bring up the more creative end of, of thinking, which is moving it out of idea and into reality, yes. right? Expressing it in the real world out there. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Yay for that. Here it comes. And we're going to go into, I think, next month, Mercury retrograde in Virgo. 
Yeah. Correct. And then back, no, he starts the retrograde in Libra yeah, and then moves right. back into Virgo. Right. So like you, you're not done with your Virgo lessons yet. Yeah. And then he moves back, uh, when he moves forward, we'll go back from Virgo into Libra. So yeah. we're, it's interesting because he starts his retrogrades. Well, this will be the last one actually for this year. Uh, that he starts in air and moves back to earth. Mm-hmm. There is another Mercury retrograde that starts late in December, but it will spend all its time in earth signs, earth. Yep. Capricorn. So we'll have this time period is the last one where we are really learning about air ideas and the inspiration and then moving it backward into earth, which says, okay, now what are you going to do with it? Ground it in. Here we Ground go. Ground it in. Give yeah. it legs. Give it yeah. feet. Right. Yeah. Put it on the ground. Put it out there into the world. So we've had that'll be the third of three um, Mercury retrogrades that we've had like that. Mm-hmm. Right. So prompting us all. Next year it's all Earth. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, for people who have good Earth in their their charts, yeah, it's going to be really good. Also for people who have le- relatively little Earth in their charts this is going to kind of push them a bit into putting more earthliness into their lives more earthiness Earthiness. yeah yeah being able to bring into reality what it is that you have in your imagination yes being real so i just want to say take a moment real quick to say good morning to everybody who is yeah. joining us i see Hi, back in the beginning here we've got erica dorsey good morning to you and then there was christine buckingham and it looks like uh uh debbie tippets Tumiel joined us she said she was surprised to see us today voila right i didn't announce it on monday because i went oh my gosh i haven't confirmed with tam yet so (laughs) before i say and you know open my mouth and say it deborah foster good morning cousin and it's good to see you out there and then we have pam zaruba late but here good morning asa great to see you natasha gibson a new person to me does she maybe is she one of your followers perhaps and uh liked and shared thank you very much yeah. yeah, thank you for that. Uh, and Erica Dorsey, Moon and Mars Capricorn. She's ready. She's ready for that. <laughs> Mercury retrograde or all of the earthy expressions. That's the thing that I think that we're really uh, excited about is to be able to bring it into reality. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, now, let's see. What else can we talk about here besides everything? I think yeah. I want to take a look at the moons. Oh, um, Yes, yes. Because to me, I I was talking with, um, I was being interviewed actually yesterday by um, Ursula O'Farrell, one of my listeners who started her own channel called the Ascension Playground. She has a YouTube channel out there. She she talks to some really interesting people. And she brought up as she was looking at uh, the Astro design for August, which is what I put out for people. Um, about the full moon. It was the thing that really intrigued her the most. So what are your thoughts on the full moon coming up August 11th in my time zone? Uh, it's actually going to be, it's 9.36 p.m. EDT. So it's it's in your time zone as well yep. on the 11th. What do you right. think about that? And, Same day, by the way, that Venus moves into Leo. Right. It's So it's an Aquarius. And so the, the little, so every month with the Almanac, we give you the two moons of the month. And then we kind of give you like a snippet phrase that you can might, might think about. And so what we wrote in the Almanac is unique contributions. Love it. Right? Um, and so with the, the full moon being that opportunity to sort of almost like a retrograde review and find out what do I need to really let go of in order to bring things to fruition. like. Um, where have you not been willing to add your contribution to the group? Um, I, I'm thinking about all things Aquarius in like, where have you not been innovating? What can you, what's in the way of you innovating? What's, you know, what's holding you back from that? Th- those are the kinds of things that I'm looking at. I'd have to actually read my article in depth. And <laughs> do that. Um, but that's how I would look at that. And I know that there are some, um, moon squares moon squares uranus that day right, right? yep so, as, as well as the sun it's a t-square, t-square in, okay. uh, in astrology which is a very highly energetic yes uh p- kind of pushing us in a specific direction 
and it's pushing us to Uranus and still Uranus is at 18 degrees, Mars still close by at 25 Mm -hmm. and the North node at 17. So that conjunction that we begin the month of August with is still sort of there, kind of elongating that period of, you know, really aligning with our heart and our soul uh, and then being willing to take the steps that we need to, to get there to Mm. do something different. So it really ties in, I think, with that innovation. Mm -hmm. Um, But the moon is also very close to conjunction with Saturn that day during the full moon. The moon is at 19, uh, Saturn at 22. So we have some kind of seriousness with the moon. Mm -hmm. Kind of, you know, acting a little bit more deliberately, perhaps, than Mm. some other moon placements. So I felt like the full moon is going to create pressure for all of us to do something, to move forward, to, to change. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the nature of the full moon, like you said, is about completing or releasing. And yep. it's also revelatory. There might be some sure. kind of aha or epiphany, sure. a, a moment, right, where you get this uh, clarity, Mm-hmm. about something right and um and what year does help bring that yeah of course the awakening and in taurus well also going back to the basics mm. right? getting back to the simplest explanation the simplest way to do it the simplest way to proceed and there is the space i think for the epiphany if we're willing to let go of the old if we're willing to move out of our comfort zone and the high energy of a full moon is just the time for us to eject those things (laughs) that no longer serve or or no longer are you know necessary that is one one comment that we wrote about in the almanac is to stay flexible under that Mm -hmm. um under that full moon i I think that's going to be important yeah, I think so too. Good morning, J Lo. It's good to see you out there. there she um, is. <laughs> yes, there she is. Now, in a T square, I'm going to show you a picture. I don't know that everybody's going to be able to see it very well, but here's. Yeah, you can see it. Yep. Hold on. I'm going to. Where's my highlight? I'm going to highlight the T square so that we can really look at what that. I like the visualization aspect. This is why I should have been an artist when I was growing up, but no. So there we go. Now you can see that T-square. And what is important to note about a T-square is that it does pu- it does seemingly push us toward that point, right? But there's always the potential balance point at the other side. Mm. So opposite the point. So if the balance point or if the, the point is at 18 or so degrees of Taurus, the balance point is going to be 18 degrees or so of Scorpio. And that would be, of course, we're about where the South Node is sitting, right? The South Node embodies all the gifts and talents and skills you have, but also the point of letting go. Like, what do I have to let go of in here? And Scorpio's main force or main energy is about self mastery. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it's time to take all those tools, all those gifts, all those things that are you and to push them out toward the node, in the, toward the north node and make it the path of self-mastery, right? No one else can master yourself. That's your job. That's yep. my job. Yep. That's your work. For all of that. So I feel like this moon has a whole lot more about you know, making ourselves, bringing out our masterful presence in the world in whatever way that is. We talk about genius frequently in human design and the gene keys, because it's really about what is your particular genius, right? It was very clear to me yesterday when you and I were working on that ad that I, my genius does not lie in graphics. Yeah. Right. I just did not see what you saw until you said what I was needing to see. And I'm like, oh my God. But my skills lie somewhere else. And I, you know, it's like getting into your own lane and being comfortable in your lane and, and focusing more energy there on what you're good at and on what your genius is, rather than trying to be all things to all people. That's true self-mastery. Well, right. Well said. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, let's see, Pam. South node sitting between natal sun, 22, natal moon, 17. So you have a midpoint kind of expression there of the south node. So in my thinking, then it's mediating your releasing of something, 
right, of something that would allow you to move more fully into the expression of the sun um, and uh, the moon. So what is that? What does that mean? What house is that in? That's the other way to look at it is that's going to tell you the area of life Mm -hmm. where that needs to take place. Mm -hmm. So I love talking about it in terms of people's charts. Yes. All right. Anything else on that full moon um, that we want to talk about? There was one other. There is an inconjunct going on. Is it an in? No, it's a trine going on between Pluto and Mars that day. Pluto and Mars together, they, they, you know, I, I, I always want to get afraid of Pluto and Mars together right, right. because the power of transformation sure. is meeting the power of action, but they're actually co-rulers of Scorpio. Yep. And so they really do seek to create a pathway for our transformation toward empowerment. So again, they're both in earth signs. So the imp- we're being empowered to actually take steps, to put mm-hmm. our feet on the ground and move. I want you to explain in conjunct. All right. I will do that. Even though this was not an in conjunct, this was a trine. Oh, I thought you said an in conjunct. Sorry. I did. I did because uh, this is my own head because when I look at charts and I see green, the green is usually in the program I most often use is an in conjunct. Oh, okay. Um, and it's usually represented by a dashed green line. Yeah. Well, this could very well be blue, but in the light of my room this morning, it, it could be, <laughs> it looks green to me. So I thought in conjunct, but no, okay. one's in Capricorn and one's in Taurus. And that's a trine. That's a trine. But an in conjunct is an aspect that's very difficult, actually. It's a 150 degree angle between the planets. So an in conjunct brings up times where we have to adjust adjust our thinking, adjust our actions, adjust ourselves, adjust our environment, and maybe even sacrifice something that we thought we've had to have, right? That in order to use those energies best, to to lessen the tension, the stress or the strain that comes up that's embodied in that kind of an aspect. And uh, so in conjuncts, they're kind of difficult. Okay. I haven't heard about those. Uh, Pam is writing. She's in the eighth house. Her south nose sitting between the natal sun. I don't know if you want to talk to her about that. The eighth house, the house of sex, death, and rebirth, right? Right. A house of change, a house of also financial health, where we might need to work through issues of credit and debt, Mm -hmm. um, releasing ourselves in some way from the things that are strangling our resources. Mm -hmm. But it could also be the winner of the lottery. It could be, you know, receiving money coming in from sources other than what you would have earned yourself, So it has financial implications, it has transformational uh, implications, and it is also a house that really relates to what are our basic needs, Mm. right? Food, air, water, sex. Sometimes people would say that that's a need, right, to be able to procreate. It goes to our creative abilities. So it's a very power house. And I don't know that a lot of astrologers think of it this way, but it has a lot to do with past lives. Oh, the sure. 8th, the 12th, and the 4th really yep. can bring in and crystallize problems, perhaps, from karma from mm-hmm. other lifetimes or really? meeting up with people from other lifetimes. Yep. And the fact the South Node is in there, there's a part of me that wants to say someone coming up from your past or dealing with issues from your past that have been clouding either the sun or the mood moon because you said the south node was in between the two of them right so very interesting time i'd love to know what's on the opposite side what's in your second house too because that could could we could analyze her chart to death i I mean anybody's charts (laughs) enough the full moon my last thought is about the it's at 19 degrees Mm -hmm. in aquarius and 19 is the biblically represents cleaning of karmic debt Mm. isn't that fascinating and you were just talking about karma and of course well karmic debt is different than financial debt but it's interesting that you just spoke about those two words and and that is the uh, numerological representation in this full moon 
Okay. Yeah. The number 19 karmic debt. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I like to have those uh, interesting asides, right? That come up with it. Uh, okay. So let's see. I'm looking at my own little thing here too, to see what other big news there is. It'll be August 14th, by the way, when Uranus makes that move into the gate of assimilation when we were talking about that. Yeah. Yeah. But something, another word that I think often goes in hand in hand with assimilation is integration. Yes. Right. Integrating. And, you know, we've been for the last couple of years, we have been on a fast track of an evolutionary leap, if you will. I, I mean, even though it's been sort of dramatic and we've had all of these, you know, weird things going on, this the underneath it all, it's been about the evolutionary impulse, right? The growing impulse and Uranus moving into the gate of assimilation. I almost feel like gives us a breather. You were saying that time for resting. Mm -hmm. I often, I don't often think of Uranus as giving us a break, but the break here might be the time that it takes for us to be able to take it all in and assimilate, integrate Integrate. all of the things within us that have um, wrought change. So and simplify was the other word I wrote down. Simplify because Taurus is a simplifying. uh, And in fact, in in some uh, types of human design, this is called the gate of simplification. Oh, it's really it's it's part of an interesting channel in our human design, because at the other end, it meets up at the point of the Ajna at the gate 43. And we often call that the freak to genius channel. (laughs) <laughs> That's the, the sort of fun name. It's not the absolute name of that channel. Yeah. But the 43 in the uh, Ajna really mediates all of our personal genius, like our personal way of seeing things, our personal way of thinking. And then it moves down into the throat. The 23 is a throat gate. Mm-hmm. So we end up with this energy of our genius being brought into the world and either communicated or manifested in some way, but it has to be done correctly. And that's a whole nother, you know, conversation about how does the throat center work in human design? How do we manifest? Um, (laughs) Because that's going to be different for everybody based on what the throat center looks like, based on what that, if that gate is defined. So the integration and assimilation and all of that might look different for everyone. Wow, that's really interesting. I just learned a lot about human design in that little talk. Nice. Right? The That particular channel was where the South and North Node were just before August 1st. Or, or July 31st, they moved into the gate two and the one, yes. which is where the triple conjunction took place at yes. the gate two. Yes. So interestingly enough, but just before that, we were working with our freak to genius channel. Hmm. And it was the North node at the gate 23 assimilation that was really causing us to bring that into being, into manifestation. You can't just let your genius sit up in your mind. You just can't. Right. It has to come in, yeah. it has to come in and it, it comes in down through the throat center. Wow. That's fascinating. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so we learn something new every day. I sure do um, with you. Right. Love the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> um, another interesting aspect, I think, and this is human design speak more than it is um, astrology, is that the week four of of this month, which is August 17th through uh, the 22nd. So what is that? The third week of the month, basically, is a time where in our human design, the sun is sitting at the gate 29, which sits on the sacral center, which is the center for action, doing or being, right? The doing being uh, energy center. In human design, we often call it the gate of saying yes. There's also a gate of saying no but it's not necessarily involved with this, uh, that particular week. But the gate 29 prompts us to want to say yes to everything. And that is not how that's meant to be used. It's meant, it's called the gate of devotion in quantum human design, because in, in a way it's about what do we want to devote ourselves to? What is our real truth? What is the real joyfulness that comes from saying yes to something? 
And we tend to, the world tends to pressure us in some ways to say yes to every opportunity that comes along, Mm. right? Most of us are loath to say no, because we're afraid that if we say no, that something else won't come along. But that is so not true, right? If it's meant for you, if it's the right thing for you, you're never going to miss out. Right. But that's something we don't think about. And this particular week, we may be very tempted to say yes to a whole host of things. So we want to be very careful because in the low expression in the gene keys, when we look at any energy of a gate, we look at it holographically. So we're looking at it through dimensions in the lowest dimension or the lowest expression, the shadow energy. This is the gate of half heartedness. So we say yes, because maybe we're really excited in the moment. That's a great opportunity. And then half-heartedness comes in later when we get our, our mind gets wrapped around it. And we like, oh, no, why did I say yes to this? Mm-hmm. Right? I don't have time for this. I can't do this. I can't afford this. I'm not healthy enough for this. And on and on and on. So then we sort of withdraw a part of our energy from whatever it is that we're working on, because maybe we can't back out of it. Mm. Right. Maybe we can't back out of it. And so we're only half-heartedly dabbling in it. Or on the other hand, we back out of it and we might damage our reputations. We might damage, maybe we spent a lot of money. It's hard to say. So learning to say yes to the correct things is the key for that particular week. And the earth is actually the one that's going to be bringing up the earth to, in human design often brings up the challenge, right? In astrology, we don't think about the earth much. No, that's true. Right? In in the energy almanac, you're never saying, oh, the earth is in, you know, if, yeah. if the sun is in Leo, the earth is in Aquarius, right? That's right. the given. It's always in the opposite sign. It's kind of, uh, it's just a test of understanding as opposed to something we really think about. In human design, though, we think about the earth because the earth brings up the need for evolution. The earth brings up the challenge for us in order to be able to say yes to the right things, you have to handle the earth. And the earth is in the gate of passion, the gate of desire, which is an emotional gate. So we have to really align ourselves with what it, it is that we are passionate about. What is it that we really love? What really makes us feel good? And say yes only to those things that you have already, you know, got an affinity for. And then, of course, depending on your type and your strategy, we could go into the many different ways that you're designed to say yes or no to an, an opportunity. But primarily, just for the generality of it all, that week, it's going to be about tuning in to what you're really desiring, <laughs> what you're truly passionate about. And that then opens up the pathway to saying yes to the correct things. And you're saying this is the third week of August? Yeah, I, it's week four in human design, but the calendar week, it would be the 17th through the 22nd. 17th. So kind of the third into the fourth week. Okay. Yeah, because remember, the human design weeks are five or six days long. They're not, right. they're I not that, that seven. Yep. Yeah. So sometimes we're meeting two different energies in a calendar week. Right. Yeah. And that's kind of the case. So um, that is an interesting thing for us to to be aware of, not to commit to things without really tapping into what is correct for me, what feels good to me, what is it that makes me happy. These are all, by the way, notice they're yes and no questions. Does this make me happy? Is this Uh, correct for me? mm. Because the sacral where the gate 29 sits Mm-hmm. responds to yes and no, uh-huh or uh-uh. Okay. It does not do well with open-minded, open-headed, uh, open-ended questions because those get us up into our head for thinking. Right. And we want to bypass the thinking here okay. because it's about the action. It's about the response. What is your body mm-hmm. doing in response to that opportunity? That is fascinating. What a week to watch for, I think. I'll, I'm making special note of that one. Yeah. And, you know, note in your own human design as well, right? So it's just like astrology, right, that week, but we're looking at your human design chart. Do you have those gates defined already? If not, then this is going to be new energy that pops into your field and may create the path of making incorrect decisions, right? 
if, if, if you're someone who already has this in your chart and they're defined, you already have a set way of dealing with passion and in how you say yes. Now, it doesn't mean that you won't mistake, make mistakes, but if you're someone who's always saying yes to things and then later going, oh, yeah, yeah, what did I do? That isn't going to change unless you consciously put some energy into it, uh, okay. an awareness into it so that you purposefully use this energy. So this brings to my mind, like for anybody who's watching the replay from, from my people who are into astrology, but don't really understand human design, I want you to help um, readers understand um, the value in knowing your human design as well as your personal astrology. Because I talk a lot about knowing your natal chart and the importance the more you know the more you grow uh knowing your your blockages your patterns your boundaries whatever astro astrologically but when you just said to me um knowing if that gate is defined for you i went huh i don't know if that gate's defined for me so tell me the importance of of knowing your human design chart and how to apply that yeah so human design is more appropriately addressing the energetic you and the you from the DNA point of view. Now, it's not that astrology doesn't address that either. It's just, it's a different, right? It's a different system. In human design, we can see how it is you're meant to be in relationship. In human design, we can see how it is that you're designed to make the best decisions for you. And we can see how you are attracting things to you or maybe even what's being attracted to you based on these energy centers and the energy centers are all fielding different energies just like the houses in the astrology chart are fielding different energies mm -hmm. but we, but we're looking at it in the body template as opposed to in the bigger wider life so to me when i'm looking at somebody somebody asks me a question about their love life or their um, money life or health i'm going to pull both charts Okay. Because both charts, or I'm going to pull one chart, there's a, a program called genetic, uh, genetic Matrix, and you can get both the astrology and the human design in one chart. Mm -hmm. And by doing that, I can get a bigger look, I get the more global look for that person. Just like this particular week in astrology doesn't have anything that's like a banner yelling at me, talk about it, but there's still this energy in that week mm -hmm. that is underlying the astrology it's still leo and it's still aquarius energy mm -hmm. but it doesn't tell the whole tale right so human design gets in and gives us the 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 details of that week that we might not get otherwise from the astrology mm. does that help it well it does but i because i understand it a, a little more than some of my readers will i think what i'm looking at like when somebody gets their human design chart from you for mm -hmm. the first time like the only thing I really fully understand about human, my human design is that I'm a manifestor generator and that I can like handle a lot of projects and things like that. Right. That's, <laughs> that's a good thing to know. <laughs> right. But that's all I really understand. How would I, what do I really want to know about my human design outside of those five major categories? You, you want to know what your strategy is that is attached to that type. So, you know, you're a manifesting generator, but do you know what your strategy is? Like, how do you enter into things, okay. right? How do you make decisions? That's the key to knowing your type is the strategy. Uh -huh. Your strategy is a, a kind of a hybrid strategy. You have first to wait to respond to things that show up in your outer world, not responding from the creative energy that comes up in your mind, right? And then the second part of your strategy is about... Uh, asking telling people what it is that you're going to do before you do it informing if you will so that you don't because that's this part of you that's very creative and and will just get in a creative flow and keep going but if other people are being affected by your creative flow you need to let them know what you're doing first so that they don't try to stop you or get in your way Hey, Frenchie, you're going to make dinner because I'm going into the art studio, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly that. So that later, you know, is Frenchie your husband? Yeah. Right. So later when he you come out of the art studio and he didn't make dinner, you're like, 
what the heck? (laughs) Right? Didn't you just know that you should make dinner because I'm going in the art studio? So informing is a part of your strategy as well as waiting to respond to the big things in life from your outer world. Oh, that was very good information. Uh, So for those of you who are just going to get your human design chart, and this is going to be a topic we talk about a lot next year because Mm -hmm. Janet is an integral part of 2023 with the Energy Almanac. We'll talk about that another time. Um, You're going to hear a lot more about human design and using it with astrology. So get your human design chart and begin to understand, if nothing else, the five types and which one are you and then strategy. So there's your first and second step, (laughs) right? Third step authority. So those three things can really help you. Authority is sort of this extra tool on your tool belt that helps you make good decisions. So you as a manifesting generator are going to often have opportunities in multitude, right? Yours are going to, you're going to have multiple things that come to you at one time. Always. And how is it that you decide of the five things that just flew into your world that which one are you going to choose? I mean, they all flew into your outer world. So it satisfies one of those. But you have to know something more about yourself in order to make the best choices. And that comes from authority. So for example, some people have emotional authority. And emotional authority is about receiving clarity over time which means that you have to slow down your saying yes or no by at least 24 hours so that you can get a read on what your emotional energy is uh, over the course of time because emotions flow. They're up and down right throughout the day. Some people have sacral authority, which means their body wisdom in the moment, the body's telling them, "Uh uh-huh, right? Something juicy and fun shows up in your outer world. And in that moment, your body's like, oh yeah, let's go right? If you have sacral authority, that's correct for you. And some people have intuitive authority. Mm -hmm. And intuitive authority is more subtle, right? It's not screaming, go that direction. Um, It speaks, and you either listen or you don't listen. To listen means you're lining up and you're going in the right direction. To not listen means that you probably are going to have delays or you're moving slower or you took on the wrong activity uh, because it doesn't come back and remind you. Mm. Oh, remember I told you don't turn left, turn right. Mm. It doesn't do that. Right. It speaks one time. So everybody has a different, and some people have identity center authority, which means it's just their identity, their their directional, their directional um, energy of their their ID center. Like my my son has that as his authority. He's a projector. He has everything from the identity center up into the head. So the way he attunes is he actually starts to talk about these different opportunities almost like he's having a conversation with you but he's not expecting you to say anything because what he hears himself saying tunes him into what's correct for him so yeah so we all have this different thing but here's the key when you order your human design chart it comes with a report that will outline those key things for you I'm not going to lie. I've ha- I have that report, but it is so it's pages and it's it's hard to comprehend hearing you say that. So you need your design. You need your strategy. You need your authority. That's your starting point. Yes. Those That's, three things can take you a long way. That whole that whole description that you just gave is amazing. Really amazing nice. you need a video series on just that. <laughs> I could. I have done that. I've actually, uh, I probably can dust that off and bring it back out. Or just redo it, redo it. (laughs) I'm going to need to see that. (laughs) Yeah. Because there, you know, there are five types. So there are five categories that people can fall into. And every one of them are going to be integrating with the world in a different way. Mm. And if, and, and that's different than the 12 signs around the zodiac wheel, which are giving you characteristics, but not necessarily any definition about how do I do this? Yeah. Right. How do, how do I do this? So, so I, I can't say one is better than the other. That's why I use both. Yeah. Right. That's why I use both. I and then that. when people want to go deeper, we can do that using both of those modalities, human yeah. design, astrology and astrology. So. JLo just said, getting a personal reading with Janet highlights so much. And I can't, I cannot agree more. I shove people in Janet's direction all the time. I do. I do. I have, she does. I have a whole contingent of manies. 
Yeah. <laughs> People from Maine. We don't go by Mainies. We go by Mainers. But <laughs> okay, Mainer. I have a whole <laughs> like we are Washingtonians. Yes. You're Mainers. Okay, not Mainies. Mainers. So I have a whole <laughs> bunch of Mainers in my <laughs> at least birth in Maine. I yes. don't know if they, some of them still live there. I know that they do. Yeah. So uh, anyway, yeah. And, uh, you know, readings, you know, I, I, now are you doing, you don't do readings for people, do you? I do a six point thing, a, a very short six point thing. Yes, I do. Okay. So, you know, readings bring in the personal aspect, right? Mm -hmm. So right now, Tam and I are kind of talking generalism. Yes. Because yes. there's just so many details that can be different, right? Like when you read your horoscope in the newspaper, uh, I can read it on any given day and it says, you know, certain things that have no meaning to me because yeah. it can only take in where the sun is. Mm -hmm. And there's a whole bunch of other things going on and how all of those things line up that make it personal for you. Mm -hmm. The same thing happens in human design, right? that those centers can be defined in different ways. You can have different aspects highlighting the characteristics and traits in your DNA. And that's going to be completely different than it is from me. So you have to have the personal touch from someone who knows in order to really understand yourself much more deeply. And even that is a process. Look, I know I've done your human design reading. Have I not? You have. Mm -hmm. And how little you, I mean, I, and I'm not meaning this, this does not it's sound judgmental, right? How, right. How little that you retained because it's something that you haven't studied. You've been studying astrology. Correct. So it does, it takes time. It takes willingness and it takes, you know, actually looking yeah. into it deeper. Yeah. I think it really takes some kind of immersion and I'm just, you know, really sticking my toe in astrology. I always say an inch wide and a mile deep. This is, there's so much to learn. So, <laughs> and that's both of them. You know, if I, I'm working on astrology, if I go and add in the human design, I am not ready. Yeah. And, and so my job, if you will, is to bring those two systems closer and closer. Yes. So, you know, when I write for the almanac, what I'm really focusing on are the gifts and the shadows of that week, yes. right? That's my portion, which is something that you don't necessarily see through astrology, right? Right. It's, it's there definitely, but it's not as obvious there as it is in human design, right? What are we dealing with in the shadows and what is the highest gift that we received this week? Like we just talked about with the gate 29, the highest gift of a week like that would be that we're saying yes to the right things. And we're just, our hearts are swelling and we're, we're excited and passionate about life. But if we're using it in the shadow, we're saying yes to everything, depleting our energy, feeling burned out, feeling wiped out, laying on the couch going, I just can't get up. Up, right yeah. because I've done too much or I've committed myself to death so knowing that is something different than what astrology will give you totally and I, I just want to comment one more on the shadow work you know inside of the almanac well, I just want to see if people can see this we offer this whole paragraph down here is shadow work by Janet and it is the piece of the articles that I go to the most inside of my almanac really every yeah, I read, I read and I base my week on what's going on, but the shadow is what I come back to. Like hubby and I will be going through something and then I go, wait a minute, wait a minute. And I'll pull my book back out and I'll go, yep, there it is. There's the shadow. There is the shadow. It's, it's remarkable. And I've, I'm going to also say that I get that a lot from my readers. Um, that, awesome. that kind of feedback. The shadow work is really important work. It is because it's the part that we might not see clearly, right? but it's affecting us nonetheless, right? It's where the fear might be. Yep. Uh, it's where, you know, we might be self-sabotaging. <laughs> this week it's storytelling. This week it's like negative storytelling. And That's and, right. The gate 33 and the gate 19. And right? I'm like, holy moly, if that isn't showing up in our lives, then I, so we had this talk about like, okay, let's not play victim. Let's, you know, let's change the story now. So it's, it's so good to have that in your awareness. And that, again, is the whole premise of the energy almanac, having the energies in your awareness so that you can be in flow. Yeah. And you know what I really like about the energy almanac, too, is that it's so approachable. I mean, it's it, it's usable, mm -hmm. right? It's it's 
comforting almost to have, you know, something that you can pull out and go, okay, let's look at this. And I don't, I, I know that you've left space in there to write notes. So as you learn things about or experience things during that month or uh, that week, you can write them down. Exactly. So charting, right? So anyway, good stuff. Well, uh, unbelievably, it's 8.59. We are 10.59, I guess. In your, yeah, we, we are at the end. Any final words that you want to say? Anything new going on in your world? Um, uh, honestly, no, there's nothing new going on. I, I mean, I talked about what's coming up with the Energy Almanac. I'm mm-hmm. super excited to assimilate recent <laughs> events and uh no take a break during (laughs) august now thank you so much always for the invitation to be here and to and to learn this every hour that i'm here i mean my notes are long and i transcribe these into my astrology notebook so thank you she takes her readings and does that she you're amazing when it comes to that. Um, so thank you all for showing up this morning. I will also be on Angel Heart Radio this evening at 5 p.m. West Coast time. So 8 p.m. East Coast time. I know that's going to be pretty late for those of you who are following us from Europe. Um, but it's also recorded. So you can always go tomorrow morning if you're in Europe and watch the video. We're going to be doing something similar tonight, talking about the energies for August. Uh, And then on Friday, I will see you all here uh, for the regular weekend report. Thank you so much. Thank you, Tam. It's always a pleasure to see you. I'll see you again. Let's see, we'll be together September 7th. Hmm. 9-7, sounds good. 9-7. 9-7. We might have to think about maybe uh, August 31st instead so that they don't have to wait a whole week into September. Oh, that's a good idea. We can talk yeah. about that. Yeah, we'll talk about that. All right, everybody. Thank you so much. Thumbs up the video if you liked it. Share it with your friends. Yeah, and if you're on Facebook, hit the like button. We appreciate that so much. Okay. Bye for now. <laughs>